Let's pray this morning. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for being so great, being so wonderful, being the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who took upon himself the flesh of a mortal man and incarnated himself as the, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, baby Jesus, who we celebrate this time of year as we move closer and closer to Christmas. Father, we think about the, the sacrifice and the lengths that you went to to provide us a way of reconciliation, a way of forgiveness, Father, for our sins, a way to get back in the fold with you so that we could have this hope that we've talked about over these past weeks, that we would have a faith to place in, a hope, a faith that we can place this hope in, Father, that we can, as we talk about joy this morning, that through the faith we have in you, through the working of your Holy Spirit in our lives, you place in our hearts a joy that is unspeakable and full of your glory. Father, if our joy comes from anywhere else, it's not truly godly joy. Father, this morning, as we, we maintain that joy and we, we know in all things you are with us, we do have some prayer requests that have come in that are uh, very important to people. All prayer requests are very important. I think Adonis' friend, Pat, um, who was in a very bad car accident about a week ago, Father, um, they needed to remove her, extract her from that car. She was airlifted to U of N. She has a lot of broken bones and a brain bleed and uh Donna has been there, uh, is been there every day, uh, standing by her friend and, and ministering. And Father, I pray for strength over Donna, Lord. Uh, I pray for wisdom with the words that you can give her in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that uh, she could just minister to Pat. And uh, Father, I pray for Pat's healing. I pray for restoration, Lord. And I expect that when I pray. I don't pray. Uh, uh, as a gamble or on chance, I trust what your word tells me. And it says, by your stripes we were healed. And I stand in that promise. And I pray that word back to you. And I pray it in behalf of Pat. Father, I pray also for Joanna, um, uh, Debbie Buck, uh, Debbie Brower's daughter. And I, Father, I pray as she's going to be induced with the twins tomorrow. Father, we pray for a safe delivery. Father, for mom and the children. We pray for great joy um, in that birthing room for everybody, babies are so precious. Father, I know what it's like to be a grandpa, everybody knows what it's like to be a grandma. I pray for those around Joanna and John, and I pray especially for Debbie and Rick as they enter into this most blessed of places. Have your hand of safety and guidance upon the doctors and in that room. I also pray uh, for Norm here, who is still dealing with the aftermath of the loss of his son. Uh, several years after, Father, as things are still playing out in the courtrooms, Father, I pray for justice. And closure is what uh, Norm asked for, just closure. Father, I pray that uh, you give that, you bless that to him, Father, in his heart and his mind, Lord, that he can, uh, although we'll never forget anybody in any of our lives that has passed that are so important, but Father, there comes a point where you can help us get on and move on past that. Father, I pray that over Norm this morning. Lord, I, I pray for uh, just our services this morning as we speak about joy as we hear uh, your word read, as we move towards Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Father, I just pray that your hand would be upon us. Your spirit is in this place this morning. And I just pray that he would continue to minister to us and feed us from your word. And in his name, I pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Children are dismissed to junior church. Well, this morning... Uh, right now, I would like, if the ushers are available, I would like to take up that special offering and um, for uh, these kids and for this family. And uh, just to preface what we will be talking about, and um, uh, 
we'll be talking about the idea of joy. That's what the, the third candle, the rose-colored candle rose, represents joy in the Bible. And uh, the third week of Advent is a representation of joy that which God brings. And, and uh, as we share that, um, and we talk about that this morning, there are people in this world that don't know much joy. They don't, and joy, there's a difference between joy and happiness, and we're going to talk about that. Joy is something that God produces within us, and it can't be taken from us, and it's not, con- it's not contingent upon outside service, circumstances. Um, and to be honest with you, I think one of the most attractive qualities to Christian people are the joy that they possess in God, in, in their Savior, and realizing uh, that uh, um, sometimes things don't go the way we want, but we still have that joy. I'm supposed to tell you that if you're making out a check, cash, make it out to cash because it's going in several different directions. So um, that's what I was told to do by the treasurer and by my assistant, and I don't ever question them because when I do, it gets me in a lot of trouble. So uh, they know what they're doing. So please write cash on the check, and let's pray over it. Father, I just pray this morning for these, uh, uh, this family, Lord, in, in, uh, in, in a time of need, Father, for, not, for this family here that is sitting in this uh, sanctuary this morning, our church family. Father, I am thankful to be a part, uh, grateful and thankful to be a part of a family, uh, Lord, so blessed and so uh, full of love and joy. And, and Father, as we think outside of outside of this room this morning, we, we hear about these kids at the teen center, we hear about the family that's struggling. And Father, I, I just pray that uh, we can be a blessing to them, Lord. Um, personally, the money doesn't mean as much as the thought in my mind, Father. And I pray that in my heart, in my mind, that we understand the thought that is being uh, shared with these folks. It is the joy. It is the season of joy. The reason for the season is Jesus, and he is who brought this great, uh, good news of great joy when he came as a child. So as we give, Father, bless our hearts. Fill our hearts with joy. And let us be uh, an offering of joy and peace and hope to those that might be struggling, struggling a little bit in that area. I pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Jane and Dale read our scripture this morning. Um, as a, I'm just going to recap the part that I'm preaching on here. The, uh, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God. In glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. This morning we're talking about joy. As I've said throughout the Advent season, we um, not only are looking in rec- retrospective, that's the carpenter in me, I can't stand when it's leaning in that level. It's a little better, but it's leaning the other way now. But This morning... It, it, as I said, we're talking about a retrospective look at the birth of Christ. That's what we celebrate in the Advent season. We're looking back and we're uh, celebrating the birth and what that meant to us. And we're also, in the, the season of Advent originally uh, was looking towards the second coming of Christ, uh, his return when he will set his foot on the Mount of Olives, in the, t- in the temple, I mean, and uh, uh, we will already be received as the church in the rapture, and he will come back and, and he will set things right. We've talked about that over the past few weeks. And so as we, as we look at these things, as we talk about these things, we're looking this morning at joy. 
And as I said earlier, uh, just a moment ago, joy, it, it seems to evade some people. And I think sometimes we don't fully understand joy, that we can have the joy of the Lord in the darkest of times. As we struggle through an illness, through a relationship, through hardships, the joy of the Lord is not something that goes when um, we lose the job or the relationship gets soured or we, um, uh, you know, tragedy befalls us uh, in some way, shape, or form. We, we, that joy is, is a, is, I'm going to give you four things that joy is, but it is something that cannot be taken from you and once you possess it. Um, I, I know I've said this before, but uh, there's a great deal of difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is an emotion. It's a physical, uh, fleshly emotion. Uh, we, we are made happy by... Happy is a Scandinavian word as well. I've, I've said this many times uh, throughout the years, and so I remember this. It's a... Um, Derivative of two words, which is happen and stance or circumstance. And happiness is dependent upon our outside stimuli or situation or whatever. Um, we're not always happy. Some people are never happy. We know people like that who just always want to be crabby. Um, I don't know anybody like that. But the, uh, the, uh, um, but they actually do. <laughs> and I just, I've asked him, I said, why would you want to be ornery all the time? Life is not that bad. The, uh, it, it's actually kind of fun if you look for some of the good and some of the happy in it. But it, it's contingent on, it's an emotional feeling. It's something that, that comes and goes. It's a very fleeting emotion. And it, it sometimes gets confused with joy. And it, it causes Christians to struggle because we're looking for this happiness in circumstances. Some of us that come back to Christ, like myself, that come out of situations where we've created a lot of uh, chaos to deal with in our lives. We're looking for this joy, and we, we hope, or this happiness, and we hope when we, or think, immediately when I get saved, this happiness is going to overflow and flood my soul, which it usually does initially, but then reality sets in, and we realize when we walk back out the door, the mess we made or the mess we're dealing with or the hardship or the trial is still there and we have to work our way through it. And we become somewhat unhappy when we realize that God can answer and take those things and he will fix the, those. Often he will fix those things. He doesn't always fix our messes right away because he's teaching us something by taking us through them. But when we come, and, and, and I'm going to get to this in a second, uh, joy that we deal with we can come in and we can be broken and we can be devastated and, and, and things can be, not one thing has gone right this week or in the last month or the last year, it, it's my life is a shambles. And, but we know that we're serving God, a God who, I see some people shaking their heads, this is Christmas, life is good. Um, but we, we realize we don't rest our joy or our happiness on our circumstances. We know we have a Savior that indwells us in his power and strength is in our Holy Spirit. We know that as we walk through these things, our, our joy is not contingent on what is around us. Our joy, right along with our hope, is placed in Jesus Christ. We know that he will deliver us. I think back to the three Hebrew children who um, were put in front of Nebuchadnezzar and they were told that you're going to bow down and you're going to worship this idol that Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself, they were in a pretty tough, and it wasn't just them, it was the entire Babylonian community, let's call it Babylonian community. The Israelites were in that because they had been um, uh, delivered into uh, to, to bondage to the, to the uh, Babylonian uh, king, Nebuchadnezzar. They got themselves there because they strayed away from God. They ended up in, in this captivity. Now these three Hebrew children who are um, they actually had uh, risen in the sight of Nebuchadnezzar, but now he has his statue out there, and they, they're told they're going to bow down, or they're going to be tossed into this fiery furnace, and it's called an exceedingly 
fiery, hot furnace because the people that would, that would go up near it would incinerate, basically, as they got close to it. That's a pretty dire situation to be in because these Hebrew children are not going to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. And this wasn't even in my notes, but it comes to me this morning. And I think about that. That would be a pretty distraught place to be. I would not be very happy about that situation I was in. I'd be thinking, you know, God, we've been doing everything you've asked us to do all the way through. We're, we're doing the fasting. We're, we're, we're rising in the ranks here. We're, we're interpreting. We're doing all these things. Yet you're going to put us in this position. And that, this is me thinking for them, which probably why I'm not in the Bible anywhere as a character. But the, um, I, I, in my mind, that's what I would be thinking. And I know I've thought that. But they went up and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, you know, even if God doesn't deliver us from your hand, or even if you don't, excuse me, even if you don't, he doesn't deliver us from this fiery furnace, he will deliver us from your hand. Meaning, you might throw us in the furnace. We might incinerate. That might be it. It might be over right here. But he, you don't have the last say. God does. We will be with our Savior. They didn't realize it was a Savior. They knew that they would go to heaven someday. Um, be with God. That's a whole other sermon for another day because of Old Testament, New Testament. And they were, as you know, taken up and put in the furnace. And as you know, Nebuchadnezzar looks in there. I'm praying that you all read the Bible and know this story. Unless you're new and you haven't, then I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on the other people that should know. Um, so, Merry Christmas. The, uh, <laughs> but, as you know, they go into the furnace and they come out and they don't even smell like smoke. And as they are in the furnace, uh, Nebuchadnezzar looks up there and he recognizes the fact that there's a fourth person in the furnace with him. And that man looks like the Son of God. It was Jesus incarnate in the Old Testament. When we, th th that, to me, is one of the greatest. You see, this world may beat us down. This world may leave us in a hard spot, put us there. But our joy does not, is not contingent on what this world is doing around us. Our joy is placed, proper Christian joy is placed in Jesus and the hope that we have of heaven, the, the, the trust that we have in him. Um, one of the things that I, I feel God working in my uh, spirit is um, to, um, I'm trying to preach from a tablet now. I thought I'd get updated. I don't know how it's going to work. It's kind of small print. The, uh, and you don't got to hit it very hard. And it goes, we might get done faster. I don't know. I might skip a page. We'll see. As, as we move, there's four things here that I want to uh, speak to. Uh, joy, number one, is an inanimate object. And I say that, and it doesn't sound real good, inanimate, but an inanimate object is something you can't see, but you know it's real. Joy is an object we can't see, we can't trust. I often think of it as a part of the Holy Spirit. Um, I forget which uh, place I was studying, one of the Bible studies this week, but we talked about the Holy Spirit. No, it was just Pastor Dave. We were talking about uh, uh, the upcoming uh, stuff we were going to do uh, on uh, Sunday nights. And we were talking about how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, is similar to the wind, it's the, uh, uh, that the wind blows where it wants. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going, but we feel it, and, and it, 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 it affects us. The Holy Spirit is like that. We don't know where he's at, where he's, where he's coming and going, but he affects us. He touches us. If you were here Sunday night to the concert, um, and I will share um, this part of my testimony about joy. When, you know, we had the chairs set up, we were expecting a huge crowd. Justified always packs out Central. And Dave and I were, were doing some experimental stuff. Um, it, it, uh, and as people are coming in, it's getting closer and closer. I'm like, we're not going to pack this place out. And uh, it begins kind of concern me. And I begin to pray about it. And God said in my spirit, He said, the people that are supposed to be here are here. You don't need, numbers doesn't matter. And when these guys come, we went in the office and we prayed, Dave and I with the four gentlemen. And if you were here, you know that the Holy Spirit was here in a powerful, powerful way. And if you weren't here, you missed out on a huge blessing. And you want to take me serious next time when I tell you we're bringing in some good people. Amen? So, uh, but 
it, it, it was fine because it wasn't the circumstances that were important. It wasn't the number of people. It never is the number of people. It's the power of God being in a place. And the power was here. I didn't get to see as much as they did. It's kind of hard when you're sitting in the front row and Dave is he, he's basically getting drunk in the spirit up here going crazy on me. I'm thinking I'm going to end up tearing him out on a stretcher as unhealthy as he can be at times. And I'm sitting over here and I can't see because the tears are and I didn't want to go down there and be crying in front of the justified. So the, uh, they finally gave me some Kleenex. But the, the people were telling me that even the little kids were dancing and having, and they were hooting and out. And it was just a wonderful time in the spirit. It doesn't matter the surroundings. It doesn't matter the side. What matters is, is our heart in the right place? It's all about the heart. Joy is about the heart. It is an inanimate object or possession that we can lay a hold of. And you see, when we lay a hold of this thing, the devil can't steal our joy. The devil can't touch our joy. He can touch our body. Think about Job. Job, you know, here's Job serving God. Uh, day in and day out, Job has got a, a mass route. He is a wonderful uh, 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 servant of God. And the devil comes along, Satan comes along, and uh, God asks him up there, he says, you know, where have you been, Satan? And he said, oh, I've been going to and fro, seeking, you know, whom I could uh, torment, basically. And God says, well, hey, and this is God. Have you considered my servant Job? Now, who signs up for that? Job didn't sign up for it. God volunteered him. But, um, but he trusted Job. In a millisecond, Job's family was gone. Job's possessions were gone. Job's uh, children, everything was wiped out. Gone. His friends come along and try to figure out what's wrong with you, Job. His three friends, I can't remember their names right now. Um, they're on the tip of my tongue, but... And I'm not going to get it. But they come along and they, they, they're sitting there. I think they sit there, for, they sit there for several days. And they're looking at one another and they're discussing these things. And Job is just sitting there. Now Job has these boils and so forth. And they're, they're trying to figure out, what do you do to deserve this? Job did nothing to deserve this but serve God wholeheartedly with all he had. And with everything was before God. Finally, and I'm doing the book of Job here in about two minutes, so there's a lot more to it if you open your Bible and read it. Finally, they figure out that it's not, even his wife comes to this point and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Do we get to a place like that in our lives at times where we just want to give up? Take me from this world. I, I, there's nothing here. I've been there. I deal with people that are there all the time. I remember at a very early age um, just not wanting to deal with it no more because it didn't seem like it would ever get better. God does the work. God, because of Job's faithfulness, and he, he never cursed God. He never said, he, you know, he, basically he said, yeah, though he slay me, still will I trust him. And then he, he talked to his wife and he said, should we only serve God in the good times? And not in the bad times. You see, Job had a possession that we didn't even know about yet. That, 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 that was, um, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit doing this work. And, but he had a joy for the Lord. He had a zeal for the Lord. Whatever befell him didn't matter because his hope was not placed in that stuff around him. It was placed in God. And he had a joy. He did get everything back. The devil was taken away. He, and if I believe right, it was tenfold or hundredfold that it came back. He was blessed beyond measure. And, and God restored his children. God restored his wealth, restored his, restored his relationships. And in all of that, he walked with God through the valley and God took him to the mountain. And that's what we have to learn to do. When we are going in the valley, we can't let the devil come and take our joy. Because the joy, and we're going to get to the scripture in a minute, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what the devil wants to take from us. Because if he can get our joy, then he's got us on the ropes. But when we still have joy and we say, devil, you know, yet though he slayed me, yet though he hasn't uh, found me the, the person that I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life, yet though my job has been taken from me from, due to downsizing, yet though uh, uh, my, my children 
or messed up on drugs or I'm messed up on drugs or, or whatever or whatever is going on. Yet though you're allowing this to happen in my life, I will serve you. And I know that because I put my trust in you. My joy and my hope lays out in front of me. That's why as Christians we keep moving forward. It's when we get stuck in that mire, that quagmire, we lose sight of that. And, and the devil wants to tell you you're never going to get out of here. You're stuck. And God is saying, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and I will deliver you. There is joy to be had here. Our joy, and this, I was going to say this a moment ago. Um, one of the topics that God, the Holy Spirit, is working on me uh, or dealing with me with before, after the holidays to begin preaching is um, preaching on the promises of God that we find in the Bible. We do ourselves a great disservice when we do not know the, the word of the Lord. We, when we, um, oh, I even worked without a net. I was going to lay my Bible and my notes out. I did type my notes just in case I couldn't handle this thing and uh, lost all my stuff because I don't trust my stuff on here. Yeah, I could hit something and uh, I spent two hours fixing Microsoft Office yesterday because I hit the wrong button. But anyways, um, we do ourselves a great harm and a great disservice when we don't know what's in the Word of God. When we don't read, there are countless promises in this book that we can stand upon and we can pray about and we can pray the scriptures back to God because we can stand in this stuff. This is, this is bedrock. Let me read this, John. This is where, and I, I found this as um, I was studying. Think about our hope, and I'm going to get to this in my last point. Our hope has a name. That name is Jesus. But John, in the beginning of the Gospel of John, it says this. And this is Jesus he's, that John, the the revelator is talking about. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me read that again. In the beginning, you see, Jesus wasn't an afterthought. That God said, oh, I made these human beings. They screw up all the time. They're never going to get into heaven. I need a Savior. He knew what he was doing at the beginning. He created Jesus. He, he, Jesus, I can't say he created him. He always was. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been together. He revealed him to us later on down the road. We do see him at times in the Old Testament. But he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is, the Word was with God and the Word was God. It, this Word is timeless. It is, it, it is everlasting. And Jesus is the personification of the Word, if you will. Everything that is in this Bible, in this Word, Jesus fulfills in illustrates, personifies, uh, when we talk about joy. Jesus, when we look for joy, you can't look. Are you getting this? Am I cause I'm getting a deer in the headlight look from a few of you? The, the, Jesus, our hope is Jesus. We can't get to heaven without Jesus. It says in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's in red letters. That indicates to me that Jesus is speaking those words. There's no other way. There's, I say it often, there's many ways to get to Jesus. I believe if you're seeking God, a God of your understanding, or, or um, uh, when you're truly seeking God, some people seek in Buddhism, some people seek in, in, in Islam and in the other re religions that are out there. And if they're truly seeking God, they will find God in that because God will reveal himself to them. They'll realize this is not it. Jesus is it. Jesus, but once you get a hold of Jesus, the only way to the Father, to heaven, to salvation is through Jesus. So our joy is through Jesus. It goes on and it says that he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing that has been made, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I would add to that, the darkness cannot 
overcome it. When you think about like, this is an experiment for you that this is how my mind works. It's pretty simple. Go home today in your closet if you wonder about the power of light. And get inside there and take a candle or a flashlight or whatever, your cell phone, and it's real dark in there. And you've lit this light, as small as it is, even if it's a pin light. And you can put your hands over it and it'll glow through your hand. There's nothing you can do to overcome that light. The darkness can't overcome, completely overcome that. The minute the hands are removed, it's light in there again. Go into a candle into that same closet later and have the light on when you go in there. Try to make it dark in there. That's, I mean, do you guys get this? Because it works in my head. So the, uh, but the, the, the darkness can never overtake the light. But the light illuminates the darkness. Jesus is the light of mankind. Your darkness that is in us as human beings that, that we have, it, it, it can't sustain, it can't sustain itself in our hearts when the light of Christ comes in. Because he will illuminate it. And he will say, this is what, if you want this joy this preacher is talking about, then you need to, to move into this room. Let me go into this room and clean this out. And, and, and let me bring light into every corner, every crevice of your life. Don't just use me on Sundays to validate the, the hope of heaven, but let, become, let me become your light, your guide, your joy. Our joy is not just here on Sunday morning. Your joy is when we go out on Monday morning and we take that blessing that we've had. I don't know about you, but after last Sunday, I was walking on clouds for three or four days before I had to deal with anything because of the power of the Holy Spirit just moving, being in that. I don't know how people skip church, to be honest with you. Thank you. There's one. The, um, but I don't know how, because I couldn't make it very long. If I go on vacation, and I'm not saying don't go on vacation, not listen to that. And I'm not saying if you're sick and puking, don't come here. Stay home and we'll pray for you, because I don't want your crud. So, the, um, but, but as a rule, you see church attendance is nominal at best. Church is an option for people. Church should not be an option. And, and Jesus is not here just because it's the building called a church. But when you get like-minded believers together that are filled with the joy, that are filled with the peace, that are filled with the love, I want to be around that. I want a shot of that on Sunday morning. I want to be in God's presence because that's where I'm most comfortable and where, yes, does conviction come? Conviction comes sometimes. But there's joy and conviction as well because God is not trying to uh, hold us down or make us feel guilty or condemn us. He, he illuminates through uh, areas of our lives through conviction that he wants to bring joy and peace and love to. And if you turn over this thing to me, I will replace it with something better. And it's called joy. The word brings us joy. The word, I want to skip back here to this. I was reading in Nehemiah, and I'm just going to give you, it's, it's after Nehemiah has gone back and found his, his beloved city of Jerusalem. He was the cupbearer to the king. Uh, he came to the king and that he was serving at that time, and he, you know, he found out Jerusalem's gates had been broken down, the walls Walls have been broken down, gates have been burned, the city had been ransacked, the people were gone, and this is the beloved city of Jerusalem. He takes his life into his own hands. He asks the king, can I go back and fix this work with my countrymen and, and put the city back together? And after the king says yes, Nehemiah gets even bolder and he asks for the materials and he, he asks for an envoy to take him back and all these things. They get things put back together. We know as we read the Bible that it was a tremendous battle throughout the whole thing. Um, Nehemiah, they're, they're back. The, the, the city is fortified. The, 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 the Hebrew children are back in the city of Jerusalem. And now they've come to this point where Ezra, Nehemiah is the governor. Ezra is the priest for the people and the teacher of the law. And uh, the Levites who were there were instructing the people as well. And they take this time and they take a certain day. They go up on this platform that was built for them. And they open the book of the law the Levitical law, the law that Moses got from the mountain. And they begin to read it to these people. And it picks up in verse 9, it says, Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites, 
who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy. You see, as, as they read this, let me, I'll, I'll back up even farther so we get all this. Ezariah opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord and the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, and there was a whole list of names here, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing people said, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or do not weep. For all the people have been weeping, all weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some of those to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That is where that verse that we say over and over comes from is in Nehemiah. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. What they initially failed to understand and this is what I'm writing is that the law was a good and a right thing for them to heed and be obedient to. As I talk about going back to John and understanding that the word was God, was God and was uh, in the beginning. Jesus is the word. We look back in the Old Testament, we see Nehemiah and uh, Ezra, the, the priest, reading the law. And of course, this is before the time of Jesus. But as we're looking at this passage, we're seeing the people weep as God, as, as priest and prophet, is reading the law. And I wanted, as God was working this out in my head, this is what happens still today oftentimes. When we read the Word of God, we weep and we mourn because we, we don't believe that that could ever be us and that we could live up to that Word. And we get discouraged. And here's the truth of the matter. We can't live up to that Word. But I'm going to get to the answer in just a minute in the New Testament. We can't live up to that Word. But God has made a way so that we can fulfill that Word. You see, the laws, especially the Levitical laws, I believe there was 638 Levitical laws. A lot of it was dietary. A lot of it was cleanliness. Uh, just a, a lot of it was teaching them how to be a community. And then it got into the, the uh, spiritual laws, the sacrifices, the atonement, and so on and so forth. And no one could keep all those laws. Shoot, look at us. We, the Ten Commandments, we had to get them out of the courtroom because we couldn't live up to them in this day and age. 638, we got no chance. They had no chance. The, but when we look at that and, and we think about that, many times people, new Christians, that aren't filled, this is why we have to walk in the Spirit. They don't have the joy of the Lord. They don't have the fruits of the Spirit. They look at that word and they, they, they exclaim, what an order. There's no way I can live up to this word. God is asking too much of me. And there is no way. But, Here's the answer. Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Then he says this, verse 17 of chapter 5, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. You see that law and those words from the prophets that so stunned and and, and uh, saddened those people. And, and going back to Nehemiah, uh, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah talked to these people, and they needed to understand that the, the law is actually a good thing. The Bible is a good thing. It's not a restriction on your life. It's a path to living life freely in, in, with liberty in Christ. People ask me all the time, you know, and we see that the, as we minister, one of the big things that you, as you're coming out of addiction is, what am I going to do now? This is what I know, and this is all I know, and I can't have this fun that I've been having all these years, which isn't really that much fun when we figure it out. But, and, and, and people think that even aside 
from addiction. It, it may not be addiction. It may be, I don't want to get up and go to church because that's my only day to sleep in. Or uh, my career overtakes me and, and I don't have time for God or His Word. Or whatever it might be. And, and what Nehemiah was saying, the law is good because it points us in the right direction. Although we can't fulfill it, it points out where areas we need to work in. Jesus said, I do not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth will pass away, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen while will by any minds, any means, excuse me, disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Some of those laws don't really apply the dietary stuff to us, the, the kosher things and so forth so much. We're Gentiles. But in, in, totally, in the total sense of it, Jesus, when he comes in and lives in us, he fulfills those areas in that law, in his word, that conviction that comes sometimes when we hear the preacher preaching and we think, no way I can do that. Jesus comes and intercedes it fulfills that area of our life. That is why we can have joy because we realize this is not all just on us. God does his part. He meets us even, I was going to say he meets us in the middle. He comes, we often say we found God. I got news, God was never lost. He was never lost. We were lost. And he has come to us. We talked in our Bible study on Thursday about the shepherd leaving the 99 to go out and seek that one sheep that was gone. And, and, and what joy it brought to his heart when he found that. That's what Jesus thinks about us. Joy, I think I'm, I'm on my second point. Joy, and these are shorter. Joy is a state of being or a fruit birthed within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've kind of covered this, but I want you to understand the fact that true joy given from the Lord is actually a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, which the Apostle Paul talks about in his letter to the Galatians. There are nine fruits. Sometimes I hear people say, talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits is never made plural in that statement in the Bible. We mistakenly add an S to that. Fruit of the Spirit is what Jesus, or Paul, excuse me, Paul is talking about. We don't get to pick and choose which ones we're good at or which ones we like. And this is why I had a young lady call me who, who I've been ministering to. She's in Grace, Sinners of Hope. And um, I talked to her quite a bit. She... It was asking me, um, as I talked to her yesterday, um, she said, this, Pastor, this walking in the Spirit thing, and, and how, do I, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I get filled with the Spirit and live out like this is Bible's talking about and what Pastor Clark is teaching me? And, uh, I, you know, oh, for more people to call me and ask me that question because I got... I, I, we spent a half hour, 45 minutes talking about it. more people that would want to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit. And I said to her, I said, you, you, are, you are doing it as we speak. You are going, and, and I have her permission to talk. Um, uh, her brother Tommy spoke at the thing. Uh, she was here several weeks ago. Um, when she was here, um, uh, she'd been clean 30 days. She's in Grace Centers at Hope. The previous month before that, she'd been dead four times doing uh, over, they brought her back. And now she's here and she's following God. And she's, she's being tormented. The enemy is working on her, and, but she sounds wonderful when you talk to her on the phone. And she's calling, she's saying, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do we get this thing going here? And, and I said, you're doing it, Melanie, because you're, you're seeking God, you're reading His Word, you're asking. I said, every little step that you make, uh, it, it is an improvement. And I said, I've been doing this for 27 years following God, and, and I'm still growing in the Spirit. There's still areas of my life that I'm not, uh, uh, I'm patience is not my uh, favorite thing that, that God asked me to have, 
Uh, let me read the fruits of the fruit, fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We are talking about joy. Joy is sort of a, if you will, and I don't mean this um, uh, uh, flippantly, but joy is a byproduct that the Holy Spirit produces within us when we begin to walk with Jesus, when we begin to live life in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And that's what she's experienced when I'm saying, as I said, your flesh is fighting because we know what our, our flesh wants. Our flesh has a huge control over us. And it, the flesh wars against the Spirit. But the more and more that you give in to the Spirit and you walk in the Spirit, the more God will bless you and you will get filled and you will realize this is the way to go. I believe, can't remember what psalm it is, but it says uh, 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 this is the, the path. Walk in it. And, and when we walk in God's thing, how many want joy? How many would love to just have joy as a default emotion? You wake up and you're happy in the morning. Well, maybe not in the morning. Maybe like 9 o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe after a couple cups of coffee. No. But did, how, I mean, because look, the, the thing is, part of the joy is also knowing we are victorious. We cannot be beat. God has us. He has delivered us. We, we, have, we really truly have nothing to worry about. With God as our, as our Father, as God as our leader, as the Holy Spirit guiding us, what, what can befall us? What happens if we die? Yes, there's a little concern about dying physically. We only get to do that once, most of us. And um, we don't really know how that's going to work out for us or what that's going to feel like. And it makes a bit of a nervous time. But right after that, the minute we take that last breath, we're in heaven with God. We're, I mean, what kind of a, a joyful reunion do you think awaits us? That's where we place our joy. We are not of this world. We are of citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We may battle, and it may not be fun, and it's probably not going to get easier down here with the direction the world is going in. But guess what? Our direction hasn't changed. We're still going to heaven. doesn't matter what happens here. We place our joy in that. We place our joy in Jesus. Even, and not just beyond into heaven. I, I always look up when I think of heaven. It's just a thing. But not just in that. Our joy is in Jesus. Here on earth. Think about that for just a second. Imagine if Jesus was here. With, he is here in the power of the Holy Spirit. But in person like he was 2,000 years ago. He walks with us. Think of that song in the garden. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. I'm not going to sing it. So It would be a joyful noise. But, but can you imagine that? Do you live your life? Do you understand that you walk as a Christian? You walk with Jesus. You walk with the master of the universe. He says... You have power in you to do greater things than even he did while he was here. Why would you not be filled with joy, abundant joy? Why would that not be? That is the, when, when you start to develop this concept that Jesus is, is, and I have conversations with him. People will look at you and think you're weird, think you're talking to yourself. I like it when they see me praying, going down the road, and they look and the, uh, there's nobody in the car, I'm having a heck of a conversation. And, and people might think you're a little crazy, but who cares? Amen. Let them ask. I'll tell them. Amen. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I've already said this. I'm going to skip this point because I've already covered it, but I'm going to tell you the point. R joy is not dependent on anything other than faith in Christ. I've made that point already with what I've preached, but you could write that down because that's, we, it's very easy for us to forget that. Joy has no dependency on anything in this world other than our faith in Christ. Let me read to you, though, the scripture I had for that statement that joy is not dependent. It comes from Romans 12, 9 through 16, 
And it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. When I say hate what is evil, that doesn't mean people. That means what is evil. We never ever hate people. That's, uh, God sorts that out, not us. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. When we talk about not being dependent on anything other than our faith in Christ, it, it, it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, what situation, what uh, uh, hardship. Like I said, it, 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 our faith is based on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Boy, I'm singing a lot of hymns up here today. Lastly, Jesus' joy had a name and has a name, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to read this in closing in Matthew. And it says this. It says, this is how the birth, this is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says this, And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to his son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When he woke up, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. And he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son and gave him the name Jesus. Now, think about the position Joseph found himself in. He lived to the law. He believed in the law. What had happened should not have happened, so to speak. However, it was the Holy Spirit. It was God's plan. The virgin, the uh, immaculate conception without the seed of a man, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through all of that, we end up with this Savior, this baby, I have a video, I was going to show it today, but I decided to save it for Christmas Eve night um, of the baby, actual, uh, that new stuff that Dave and I are working with. It's a wonderful scene of the uh, Luke 2 story of Christmas, and uh, it shows the baby being born in the manger and the actors as the scriptures being read. And when you think about all that Joseph and Mary went through to receive, and it, it, at the end of that it says then jo Mary stored up these things in her heart and pondered them. What joy Jesus brought. That little baby named Jesus. Our joy is in the fact that in Isaiah, I believe it was, where he was prophesied that they would call him Emmanuel, God with us. We do not have a Savior that is distant. We do not have a Savior that is a piece of wood carved that we say prayers to in the morning, or a, 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 some prophet that was along 600 years ago or whatever, or a little fat guy that's a statue that we pray to. Um, some religions have uh, tons of gods. Some have a cow as a god. The, the, and I'm not picking, I'm not trying to be mean, but we have a living, breathing, active, loving God who still works the very same way he worked when he walked on this earth as a human being that he has all through time. We are not left here on our own. Our 
hope in our joy has a name. His name is Jesus. Put your joy, that's where your joy rests today in all of the days, and especially through Christmas. Think about that as we sing this song, as we leave this place, as you go out on Monday and things don't go like you wish they would have went. Your joy is not in that stuff. Your joy is in this stuff. Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I'll stand. As we pray this morning and close our services, um, as I'm sitting here, I was just thinking of a uh, testimony that uh, God was giving me in my heart. And uh, it deals with Pastor Dave. He calls me all the time. He, uh, and he told me a while ago that he thought three years ago when he retired from Central and, and he quit ministering. He, he, he didn't quit ministering. He was never going to quit ministering until they put him in the ground. But he, uh, he told me, he said, um, he thought God was done with him. That God had used him. He didn't have anything else. He's, he's slowing down. He's, he's had two massive heart attacks. He's pretty near killed him. He's got things wrong. And uh, I got to be careful with him when I get him out and all of these things. And, um, he has or is so filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. He's like a kid in a candy store being able to minister here he drives me nuts some days but he is having a good time and you talk to him on the phone and he, he'll call me and say, he texts me Tony I need to talk to you and you would think it was going to be something you know horrendous and it, it, it is not it's just talking about what God is showing him in this stuff we're studying we're working on and how God moved last Sunday and and this is after 48 years of ministry. And he is a blessing to me because he's a mentor to me. And just, just, just loves the Lord. Has so much joy, it just flows out of him. I, well, if I get 48 years, I'll be almost 100 years old. So I hope I'm doing that good. Well, maybe I'd be like 90 something. But just to be that filled with joy. If you want to see an example, earthly example, talk to that man. Realize the things he's gone through, how it holds. He can't, he's like, if, if, what if it gets icy out or I can't make it? What are you going to do? I'm like, Dave will cover for you. You'll be fine. Just, and I said when he come back, he, he wanted to do something. I said, you come back, you can do whatever you want to do in this church. I will let you do whatever you want. I will handle the stress. You don't have to take any stress. Just don't give me any stress. No, I didn't say that. But you can, and that just fills him with joy to walk with God. I pray, let's pray. I pray, Father, that as we see this living example of joy in Pastor Dave, a man who has given his life to you, literally. He's worked his heart until it is so fragile, we have to be very careful with him. The other thing, the doctors have just told him that he's wore out his body. And they told him at one point he shouldn't minister, Father, but you've blessed him and, and given and making a way. And just at his age and after this many years and, and going through all the stuff that we go through as pastors, his joy is still just a blessing, a robust blessing to be next to him. Your spirit exudes out of him, Father, and, and falls on people around him. And he just, Father, I pray, not that he's a mentor, Father, I pray that we would see that your spirit because it's not Dave we're praying to or praying about it's the joy that you can put in our hearts 
And Dave is an example of that joy. After years, this joy is still growing, it's still flowing, and he still loves people just as much and as hard as he can. Father, I pray that our hearts and minds would grasp into that, that they would understand the word. Here, 48 years after ministry, he's found these DVDs, and it's a new way to minister, and it excites him. Father, let us look for the newness in you. It says, morning after morning, new mercies I see in your word. In Father, teach us about these new mercies, these, these new joys, these new revelations that you give us. Father, help us to walk in the spirit like I talked about today. Father, help us walk in that joy and that love and that peace. Father, make us those changes in us, the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit that make you become the most important thing in our life, bar none, because it will make everything around us much better when it's covered in joy, the joy of the Lord. Your joy is our strength, and we thank you, Father, and we thank you today that your joy has a name, and his name is Jesus. And a little over 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth, was born in a manger as an offering to, to reconcile us back to you and i thank you for that today and i pray that everybody in here thanks you for that father have your hand upon us take us from this place i pray with joy in our hearts in jesus name amen we're dismissed